0: Hello and welcome to Real History, a podcast about what is historically real and what is fiction uh, in films, movies, TVs, books, all the usual things. Uh, cultural creations, fictions. <laughs> uh, my name is Hugh David, I'm your co-host and my other host is...
1: Jenna Pateman.
0: Hello. And, and we are here today to talk about 1989 American film Glory
1: which is only a year younger than I am.
0: Thank you for making me feel old. <laughs> well, given our audience of bunkerzilla however that's probably not a big deal. Uh so why have we picked this movie? Um this is my choice. Uh very much so. Um although I know you know you like it too. Um I have seen this movie probably uh, given I used to I've used it for teaching I have probably seen it 20 times maybe mm. more. Uh, I've now owned it on VHS, DVD and Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> I got my
1: first copy from Poundland last week. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I honestly think it's a great film, even mm. with its flaws. Yes. Um, and it is a film that makes me cry yes. regularly. Uh, like I think I think the older I get, the more it makes me cry. Um, in well, certain places,
1: like, um, I was saying to you last night the fact of Jack didn't start dinner until like eleven o'clock because he accidentally got drawn into watching the film with because me because it,
0: it, it's that good a film. <laughs> yes. it's that good a film. It, yeah. it, it for it gets a lot of criticism now in this century, uh, particularly on the the na- on the nature of of what it's about. Hades, which we'll come to in a minute, mm-hmm. but it's if you let. Yourself appreciate what the filmmakers are trying to do, then it works. Yes. And it's ace. So let's give people a summary of what it's about. So, uh, really simply put, this is uh, a subgenre of war movie. It is a. That subgenre is the American Civil War film, of mm-hmm. which there are quite a few, although there's more TV shows, I should say, set then than there are films. Yes. Yeah, uh, I
1: think they need a bit more time to try and explain everything.
0: If that yes. makes sense. It does. It is, however, interesting that in, this came out in nineteen eighty nine because by this point we'd had a couple of very big popular mini series in the States about the American Civil War. Mm. So um, one
1: being Ken Burns' Civil War by no, that time. That documentary
0: no. was much later. Okay. Uh that's much more recent. Um no, this was uh the uh the blue and the grey. Oh okay, was the miniseries, so it 's a classic family saga, so you get a family that gets divided by the war itself, so they end up on opposite yeah. sides of the of the war uh classic drama, but it was if for, for for a lot of us here in England, that was actually that t v version was probably our first encounter with the American Civil War mm. uh, It was not a regular part of English history teaching at the time. Uh, so... I was lucky enough to go abroad for my secondary education, so I got taught it then um as a teacher as once the national curriculum was created it is a un- it is part of two different units in gcse uh gcse unit sorry it's part of one gcse unit it's also part of another unit uh lower down the school if you are doing um slavery and the movement of peoples from africa to other continents mm. um so you can so in the last 20 years, there's a good chance you may have been taught it in an English school if you've never come across it before.
1: <laughs> um, well, I was going to say, I did. I come across it via media osmosis where I knew what the Confederate flag was. I knew about slavery. I knew there was a war. I knew that sort of thing. But it wasn't until university that I actually started learning more ins and outs and the more complicated nuance of the situation. Yes. Um, because british history curriculum is very focused on british especially when i was younger um it was only through like years 7 to 9 that like once a year we'd do a random country like i still remember being taught about china and mm. doing it that, a... yeah
0: that's one of the units yeah. yeah the idea was the idea the original idea when you were at school was to have uh, in three terms was to have two terms of british history and one term of another unit yeah. Now, the problem was that the curriculum was wide enough to allow... The definitions were broad enough to say, oh, if you want to do Rome as that other unit, you can do Rome in Year 7. So uh... all of a sudden, you're doing the Romans anyway. So, um, so yeah, for, I mean, you're right. That, it, it, but the point was to give teachers the freedom to teach what they knew yeah. and what they were good at, as well as what they thought was appropriate for their local audience. Mm-hmm. Um, at any rate, I've, now, I've taught this a lot. Um, I think... The American Civil War is interesting because, as you just say, it's still very much an ongoing concern in american politics yeah it's very much at the heart of a lot of the issues that we are perceiving today via the media that are going on over there yeah. um, fundamentally unlike the british unlike the English Civil War, which is about parliament versus um the the crown it's about uh democracy it's about uh, who is in charge and who rules and previous civil conflicts in britain were also very much either um either full blown conflicts like the war of the roses between different strands of royalty and yeah. who rules or else they were um people versus ruler so so you know things like the rebellion of the saxons versus uh the normans and the harrowing of the north you know yeah which is a mass- which is which which i think is under 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 under-described as a as a civil conflict, you know, it's a pretty, you know, anything that, that that anything that brings William the Conqueror to come and burn everything to the ground across several counties, I think, <sighs> ought to be considered a more uh, a fairly high-level civil conflict rather than just a oh, it's a rebellion, you know. Um, <laughs> but anyway, leaving that aside, my uh, the American Civil War, however, is much much uh, is built on other issues. It, yes, it seems at its heart to be a power issue. Yeah. it's about how the union of states is going to then continue to coexist with each other as set states given they have a fundamental disagreement but that disagreement is built on a key plank of of the economics of states who particularly in the south uh which is slavery and therefore yeah. it, achie- it, it 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 has a moral dimension attached to it that For- you know is, is very much what's at the heart of a lot of American fiction about it.
1: Yeah, our nowadays, uh, the slavery issue of the war, especially for states that were in the Confederate, so the um, states that seceded from the Union, they try and talk about it like uh, there's a thing called the Lost Cause, where they say it was about state rights and it was about preserving our way of life mm-hmm. and it's those kind of euphemisms to get around what it was really about because people don't want to think about their ancestors fighting on the uh, for slavery. Even mm-hmm. if a lot of them wouldn't have owned slaves, a lot of them would have still profited from it and also mm-hmm. just general racism and stuff as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah.
0: So on that note, then this film is specifically about something that in 1989, it, his, some historians might have been aware of, uh, but was not uh, was less knowledge, uh, less aware. The, the general public, let's say in America, and mm. certainly and sorry, in the United States of America, and certainly outside of it, was less aware of, which was the fact that while you had conflicts between, while you have a conflict here that is, is has armies formed of. American citizens on both sides and while there is an issue here that affects those people who are enslaved who are mostly African American there is nevertheless there was at the time less information or less awareness of the regiments within the military that that were formed of actual black citizens themselves.
1: Yeah I was going to say that um, I watched loads of the extras off my Blu-ray that I got and they were a lot of the actors were actually saying, I had no idea about this until casting, basically. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it was Denzel Washington was saying about the fact of it was nice to find out about this because the amount that, especially Americans, are taught that it was white people fighting white people over black issues
0: at the time they yeah. were taught that, yeah. yeah. And I think this film helped open up massively that sense of an awareness of all these pockets of history within the greater narrative of the Civil War that were not part of the wider public narrative. Mm. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons. I mean, let, let, let's just run through a number of points about the film. So the film is ultimately about the formation and the initial actions of the 54th Massachusetts Infantry Regiment. Yeah, uh, It features a number of actors who would go on to become very, very famous, including Denzel Washington, Baby who... Holt. Hang on a minute, getting there. <laughs> Denzel Washington, who just be... who at that point was mostly a television star. He had been in St. Elsewhere, a medical mm. drama, one of the, the great medical dramas for years. Uh, but he had already been noticed by the Oscar audience for his role as Steve Biko in, the, in Sir Richard Attenborough's South African drama. Uh, a, 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 again... You know something that's very close to my heart in terms of South Africa my mum saw Biko speak at university uh so in nineteen eighty nine Denzel Washington was a well known t v star he'd had a couple of films under his belt, but he was star- he was not yet the star he is now mm-hmm. um This is the film that uh got him both the nomination and the his first and his first Oscar in this case for best supporting actor. Um, this is that's one of three uh, uh, Oscars. This one, yeah. uh, it's also worth pointing out. It won Baftas, Golden Globes, uh, and it also very crucially won awards from the NAACP. Uh, their Image Awards. So mm. that is the Association for the Advancement of Colored People, which is a long-standing organization in, yeah. in the United States for uh, colored people themselves, people of color, to to put themselves forward. So it's very yeah, important.
1: We've um, discussed them before during the uh, Census Eleven episode. So, yes.
0: Yeah. And the so 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 you have Denzel Washington, you have Morgan Freeman, who again, not the star he is now but very much in a role that we recognise him as being part of. And as you mentioned earlier, Andre Brauger, who is one of my all-time favourite actors to this day, uh, modern audiences will know him as Captain Holt in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's had a stellar career. um, Just before this film, he was uh, in the Kojak revival, Mm -hmm. Um, on TV, which was put together by the people behind The Equalizer, and in the 90s he would become massively famous as one of the lead cast in the ensemble of Homicide Life on the Street, which is one of the greatest TV shows ever made, and his character of Detective Frank Pebbleton, is one of the greatest characters ever. So, yeah. um, amazing cast who are brought together, but then and, and the actors who play the white officers are also very good. Kerry Elwes, I feel me, people love him for Princess Bride and, and Robin Hood Men in Tights, but I honestly, I think uh, I think he's never been better than he is here. I mean, I love him in Saw as well. Yeah. but I think he's amazing here, and I honestly think that Matthew Broderick really manages to pull out of the hat and a performance that at 1989 none of us would have thought possible from him as Colonel Robert Goldshaw
1: yeah especially when um, as I said I watched the extras and they were like Matthew Broderick they start off this start of Fuller's day off and it's like yeah <laughs> I mean is there's a
0: wonderful pro- picture in in Wikipedia they've got a side-by-side picture of Broderick and Colonel Shaw himself yeah and you, you, you look at it and go that's a pretty good likeness that's mm. a pretty good choice especially
1: with the moustache there was um, some amazing facial hair in this
0: film, I would say if if there was one thing US Civil War uh, story productions are known for, it's facial hair Um, (laughs) because of the choice at the time, so so we got an amazing cast we have an award winning film Edward Zwick, the director, still working today, still making movies, he did the second Jack Reacher film with Tom Cruise he's done loads of films over the years some of which have been massive successes, some haven't he's worked with Denzel again in the 90s um, on the siege uh which is a these days is a rather chilling uh look at what terrorism in America would be like ahead of many this is several years before 9/11 and mm. the film is quite it's quite worrying when you watch it in that context he also yeah. did uh, legends of the fall which is uh which gave, gave the world a particular uh, vision of Brad Pitt as a as a, as a manly man um out there in the wild um and all sorts of other things he's done i i think i've seen most edswick films um, okay. there's another film he did with Denzel with Meg Ryan where in the 90s where Meg Ryan plays a US helicopter pilot uh out in military action who and the part they're shot down and it's about herself and the survivors of the of the of the chopper trying to survive long enough to be rescued. Yeah. And there's a brilliant scene where she's, where they're trying to get her to deal with her wound, and she's like, "I've," and she's like, "I've," um, what was it? I've given birth before. You think I can't handle a gut shot? <laughs> <laughs> or something like that? I can't remember the exact line, but it's one of those lines where I was like, "Whoa, that's really good." Yeah, so, but um, you
1: didn't have access to an epidural. <laughs>
0: exactly. So Zwick, Zwick is an interesting director. He pushes the boundaries here and there where he can when he can. You wouldn't think of him as a guy as a director where you say it's in this modern woke era you wouldn't say oh look there's an ally director but actually when you go back and look at his work clearly he there is that aspect to things. So um so we so what does the film actually do well being a war movie it does that classic thing of saying here is a couple of soldiers, in this case uh, Robert Shaw and his best friend, who decide that they're going to... He's already survived a dramatic battle. He's invalided out. If he wanted to, he could leave the the military at this point, but he actually uh, is from a political family, and he has he wants to do more he doesn't want to sit on the sidelines and because the film is not just based on two books it's also based on the personal letters of Shaw which I've maintained in uh, one of the um, American East Coast University libraries because Harvard. of that there we go uh, They, the film takes his point of view because it allows them to have a direct first person source approach Yeah. so when pe- people who often criticise this as having a white saviour narrative I feel they're ignoring two things. First of all, there isn't, as far as I'm aware from the history of these things, the decision to create the regiment was not a decision that was made by any of the black men who would be part of it. No. Um,
1: it because was helped, they weren't high
0: enough in the military to do that.
1: It was helped by Frederick Douglasson who was a... Yes. Um, very famous, famous ex-slave. Yeah, a very big campaigner at the time who yes. was basically petitioning the US government to go, look, you need to allow black men to fight for black men because otherwise we just look like we're sitting out of this war. Which Which... is yeah. And they have him in the film. He's wonderfully
0: cast and played and he gets to he gets that moment. And but I think it's important that we see it from Shaw's point of view because we need to see the politics. Yes. Because the film does not shy away from the fact that the Northern Army are not a they're not simply good people. No there is a lot of stuff going on here that he that the for you know there there is there are moments in the film and I don't want to spoil them for people who are going to see the film. Well no, it's all right. This is our spoiler podcast. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. <laughs> um, it, oh, is, the, it is the,
1: thirty years old. <laughs> nevertheless,
0: we you know what it's like with the modern audiences, we still have to tell them. I um know. there is a scene involving the destruction of a village where it is burnt down and the Northern Army, the Union Army, um, loot the place yeah this is not the regiment the 54th this is another regiment that they are observing do this and right and that there is that is actually recorded in one of Shaw's letters yeah as something they witnessed so and it's important because it, me- it, it it makes for a more nuanced view of the conflict instead of yes. simply seeing you know, you see a, a world in which some people have decided well we 're going to take advantage of being in the Union Army to line our own pockets we 're mm-hmm. not interested in slavery we 're not interested in the, in anything else. We just see an opportunity to enrich ourselves and what, what and by taking Shaw 's point of view, it allows us to see what happens when people who actually see the value in the cause. Mm step up and bring their passion to the plate.
1: Um, And what we've got to remember with every single war, we're always taught this was the good side, this is the bad side. Uh, People are a lot more nuanced than that, as we've said. And just because they were fighting against slavery, we're put in abbreviated commas, didn't mean the North weren't racist Mm -hmm. or had... Similar views to people that were down south, mm-hmm. just because a lot of the black people that were in the Union States were free people, that meant that they weren't slaves, but many of them were captured and taken to the South to be slaves. Uh, a fantastic movie showing that is Twelve Years a Slave. Yes. Um, it's we've got to remember that people are always going to use opportunities like war to enrich themselves to do what they want to go hey let's not bring in these boots but instead get some jam
0: yeah. So, yeah so exactly and that becomes a crucial part of the film a realization that the quartermaster at one of the bases is racist and is not supplying the unit with what they need yeah. Shaw goes and confronts them and gets what he what they need uh there's a pay dispute with the federal government again he stands up for them um, this is important. It's really if you if you if you here's the thing. You if you take out Shaw's point of view, a we're removing a key historical source, mm. and b while it would have been I would have while I would actually quite happily watch another version of this story that is told entirely from the point of view of the black soldiers themselves.
1: Yeah, because it would have been interesting having a main character that as the character we follow mostly
0: but then we would lose out yeah we would lose out on all the political side of it yes because we'd never see how it was created yeah we'd never see that the, the the compromises that were made the decisions that were taken and we would never see the fight we would then not be party to the what we've just said the need for the officers themselves to stand up on behalf of their men within the structure of the military yeah you know, because the men themselves are not promoted to that phase; they they're not working at that level yet. They're not and,
1: allowed to work at that level. No,
0: either. although Shaw gradually starts offer providing. I mean, you know, uh, you know, uh, starts. Prov- Shaw and Forbes start, you know, awarding rank and commissions. Yeah. I mean, they 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 start. You know, they they don't just. Push their soldiers. They they give them rewards. They they give them promotions. They give them yeah. medals because they recognise bravery when it happens. They recognise. They take seriously what it, the way the military is supposed to work. Yeah. Um, so 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 yeah. I mean, this is a film built. Fundamentally on the historical principles, it uses mm. historical books as a basis for the script. It used, Ke- Kevin Jarr writes, who wrote the script, uh, famously uh, went on to write one of the great westerns, Tombstone, in the 90s, which uh, was also supposed to be his directorial debut, but he was kicked off partway through. Oh, and that's it, a shame. it is, and then they brought in the director who directed. Uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2 which funnily enough was from a story by Jar <laughs> <laughs> so, funny how these things go around Jar's is there still a way work-
1: that you can connect Kevin Bacon into this
0: <laughs> uh, funnily enough not yet but if you give me a moment I will probably find a way uh, Jar is it's interesting because Kevin Jar is still working as far as I can tell uh, Wiki's got his oh no correction poor man passed away in 2011 um, so it's
1: not really working
0: no, but interestingly enough, the last he was working right through the nineties. The last credit he had was he was the story and executive producer on the Steven Summers version of the Mummy, which I love.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So he had an interesting career. A guy had a really interesting career. Poor, poor man. I wish he, it's a shame. He, of course, I, re, I remember hearing about his passing because there was a whole bunch of stuff about Tombstone. At any rate. um he, he was one of the nominees for Golden Globe for, this, for, for Glory, for the screenplay, yeah. uh, as well as for a WGA Award, which is Writer's Guild of America for Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, uh, I think one of the reasons I think I found him so interesting as a writer was because of what he did with Glory. I think he struck an incredible balance between history yeah. and the need to make a war film, mm-hmm. an entertaining war film. The decisions as to which conflict, which which conflicts the fifty fourth was involved in, are focused on, yeah. are well chosen. You feel a sense of escalation. You see them go from being from being trained to and being not used knowing from their
1: lefts on the rights.
0: Yep, to their menial tasks where they're not allowed to be used for anything other than digging ditches and and latrines and setting up camp to their first proper conflict, which is superbly dramatic because again if you don't know a lot about the the u.s civil war then we don't know a lot about the terrain we don't know a lot about yeah. where the battles were held seeing a battle with mus with with early rifles um rifles it's not muskets is it is it muskets still they are point? muskets because yeah. they
1: have the um i can't remember its name but the little knifey thing on the end
0: ah yes yeah, so uh bayonets and, that's the word uh mus- well all the yeah, I mean you can add a bayonet to anything, but I know what you mean. It's the they also have the 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 the, the pole for stuffing in the wadding after you've put the bullet in, the the shell the 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 ball in. Yeah. So you put the ball in the powder. And, yeah. Okay. So they're muskets still. So uh, I'd never thought at the time I first saw this film, I had never considered the idea that musket fights musket battles could possibly occur in a forest. Yeah. I assumed they all happened out on uh, open land where you could see each other and aim clearly the idea that you would have this conflict this that would be start with rows of musketeers you know shooting at each other and that until they get too close to be able to shoot yes. and then have at each other and, and it, it it's not a film that is famous for its violence but it's 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 ver- there's a lot of noticeable injuries and gory moments no, that it are very
1: basically opens with a guy getting his head shot off yes which is and, like...
0: Okay. And in 1989 that's still quite dramatic you know we we're, we're not quite we're still this is we're still ahead of war movies like so saving private ryan hasn't happened yet you know yeah. it, and i and i think like there is a civil war film shot after saving private ryan which is um uh ride with the devil which is absolutely amazing and interestingly enough from the confederate point of view okay uh, and it looks at a very particular specific unit within the confederacy which is um a set of unofficial raiders who weren't necessarily in uniform. Mm. Um, and that is post-Private Ryan and you see some really nasty effects to to, to the wounds from, from bull, uh, bulls and, and um, uh, those pistols and muskets, you know. Yeah, Mark uh, well, doesn't a,
1: shy away from the medical stuff either because one of the first scenes is in a medical tent. Yes. And you basically hear a guy having his leg chopped off because they yes. can't save it. So And I
0: and I think that's I think that stuff they get the historical detail right. I think there's a good sense of uh I think but also it's that movie thing of let us show you how bad this particular war is. If you don't yeah. know what what it was like to be inside the civil war, let us show you Shaw's encounter that leaves him injured and, and
1: stuff
0: also PTSD what we would now call PTSD. Yeah. And let us also see how that then leads to him Finding strength and courage in the cause itself that yeah. he thinks needs to be espoused. Um, so that opening is is dramatic, but the rest of the film doesn't shy away from it. You know, when that, no. when that, when the fifty fourth first get into a fight, it's quick, it's it's well cut. But it, you can, you know, you see just enough before they cut away. It's nasty, it's brutal. It, it, people end up. You know, it's not a, it's not super, it's not. This is not the clean slow mo of action movies. This is no. war. And it feels that way. And uh, the transformation of the men in the sh- within the regiment, you know, because at least Sean Forbes have seen action. Yeah. You know? Uh, and that's trans- why
1: you see Sean... Uh, there's a scene where um, the black soldiers are being taught how to shoot a gun, and they're praising one of the guys about his shooting because he can do a perfect shot. Mm. but it's that question of whether he can do it in a battle situation where he's having to keep reloading and reloading and you have Shaw behind him shooting off a gun and Mm. stressing him out and it's like you can see why he did that because of what you see at the beginning of the film because he's been through that situation he's been through guns firing everywhere, men charging at each other. I think, and...
0: that's, I think that's one of the best bits about the film yeah. is because, the, you know, Forbes says to him afterwards, why are you being so hard on the men? And he says, because I want them to be ready for the real thing. And he's okay. like, they're black, they're probably never going to be allowed to fight. And I thought that was a brilliant moment. And again, if we had, if the film took solely the point of view of the black men themselves, mm. we wouldn't hear that conversation. Yeah, we wouldn't see that. We wouldn't. Rec- they'd know it. They would recognize that this is probably what's going to happen to themselves. There's several characters in the film who act like, "Oh yeah, this is a break from us being hard. you know, being laborers. Yeah, this is- we're never going to be allowed to fight because we're black. So we'll take advantage of that." And again, you see that there are some black men who, uh, like Shaw himself, rise above that and say, "No, I want to fight."
1: Yeah, I will say um, he. he- in the film, he volunteers the squad basically for a suicide mission. Uh, yes, that's the so when
0: we get to the end of the film, yeah, the climax. Sorry, so I'm this sort is of skipping. No, that's right ahead. That's fine because this is what they mo- This is what the regiment is most known for. Yeah. Uh, is is what is their part in the second battle of Fort Wagner?
1: Yeah. Um, according to historical sources, they didn't volunteer themselves. They were kind of chosen for it. Hmm. Um, So that gives a slightly different sort of aspect to it. But you can sort of see why Shaw would volunteer them for that sort of suicide mission.
0: Well, this is... Yeah. And
1: why it's called Glory as well, because it's that trying to show American soldiers on both sides that black men are as capable as being good soldiers as white men are. There's yeah. no difference apart from the colour of her skin. That's it.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's that again is why it gets interesting. Um, you know, it's not often I as historians, you and I both know the risks of using Wikipedia. Yes. Um, but I actually give credit to the person who wrote the production section in the wiki article for the film because they've done a very good summary of what the hit film is based on what they got right and what they got wrong Yeah, um, and I, I like the fact that they make the point you know, Morgan Freeman himself made the point that the, both him and the, direc- the director were both saying we don't want this to be a film with a commercially convenient white hero that's a quote from the director mm. you know this is about the 54th regiment not Colonel Shaw says Freeman but at the same time the two are inseparate. Yeah. because of where the historical sources come from the work you would have to do to extract out the story that then leaves Shaw to the side is doable. As a historian, we all know this is possible. But then you would lose, as I've said before, I think you'd lose the politics. Mm. I think that would be quite important. And I think you would lose that. I think you'd lose a certain focus. But there are other inaccuracies. As you say, they were... for, For people who are... Because the people who are historians on this period this is a, this is a massively well studied piece area piece of history that you know people make entire careers out of small sections of it you know yeah. there's a lot of uh, sources um, key facts as you said earlier the regiment itself was not mostly former slaves it was mostly free men born in the north yes. um, but again the key word is majority there were yeah. some former and, slaves
1: and um, also Fred Le- Frederick Frederick Douglass' two sons were among the first to sign up as well
0: yes and that would have been a useful footnote to include mm-hmm. i think um so the the regiment was not formed until early 1863 so that we the christmas scenes don't exist you know uh, fictional um the volunteering you mentioned that yeah. was obviously you know he he it was the other way around, and he was actually told that he was going to do it but i don't think he thought it i think he saw it was a good thing uh key inaccuracy for a lot of historians is the fact that the uh, Visualization of the attack at the end is in the wrong direction.
1: Yes, but apparently the filming looked better that way. <laughs>
0: which and again, is fair this is, well, this is this is the thing, isn't it? You've got to work with the locations you actually have. Yeah. And certainly, if you don't know the history, you're not going to know that. And if you do know the history, then you know. Imagine the entire. Watch it in a mirror. Um. <laughs> 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 um uh and while the state the film ends saying that the confederate fort was never taken by union forces it did actually fall to them eventually yeah Uh, but it had to be bombarded the 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 navy bombardment that you can see in the distance in the film had was the key to it uh one of the things i find interesting is that the technical advisor on the film would actually be a key part of ken burns documentary on the civil war yeah Uh, Which, by the way, was only a year later, by the way, so I was wrong earlier when I said it was a lot later, it's not, it's only a year later. But it's interesting that, you know, when one reflects on the degree of what is real and what is not in glory, it's interesting to note that that they put all this work in to achieving a high level of accuracy and then would say well for the film purposes we need to do this we need to do this you know like it's a typical war movie thing you know the night before the big battle what's it like with the men what's it like in the camp but that goes right back to Mm -hmm. henry v Mm. you know and even earlier it's a classic element in literature about this kind of story that is one of the most important scenes in the entire film because we are with the with the men of color themselves only yeah, and... we're in their culture, their time, their moment, and that still sticks with me. That scene It's one of the most important things I saw at the time. You know, in, in, it's not a scene you would expect to see, even in in, in America, in, in American-made cinema, U.S. made cinema. Yeah. It's not a scene you'd expect to see. Um, um, I was going to say on.
1: that it was. Um, it's a very classic way of building that tension as well. Yes. Because it's reminding you what these people are fighting for. Yes, exactly. And it also shows the very different two cultures because the two officers are sitting in their tents quietly drinking while Mm. listening to them. Would the prayer circle kind of be the right term for it? Sort of like very gospel-sounding praise. It's a combination
0: of prayer, music it's a bit of everything isn't it? Yeah. It, it it's a form of it's a form of religious ceremony it's also a cultural moment in which they all unite together you know there's layers and layers to it you know freeman's yeah. character treats it like a preacher you know mm. he does it in a pure style of a southern preacher but then denzel's character as a, as, as a former slave runaway slave you know he treats he he he, he sees it more as a kind of my my time to part is to join with the people i don't ever talk to when I look and yeah. i don't always respect, but to recognize brotherhood
1: that's I think also an important aspect of it is that there were tensions between freed men and escaped slaves yes. because a lot of free slaves would look at uh especially the educated black men uh that is uh represented by Thomas, who is played by uh andre yeah um, although I'm sorry all the way through I was just thinking Baby Holt so yeah of course you are you're, you're a Brooklyn
0: fan Brooklyn 9 fan I'm a massive <laughs>
1: Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan um, but um, he's calling him Snowflake and comparing him to white people and yep. it's that kind of saying that you've got ridden of our culture and saying about the fact of just because you dress like a white man and you read like him and you wear mm-hmm. his clothes doesn't make you a white man it's that you're not equal in their eyes kind of thing so and it's like
0: but it becomes but what's important yeah. about that is that we've seen that before as a, as, a, as a, in modern dramas what I think is really important is that Brogger's performance and the, the the relationship between those two characters is it beca- Broga's made, makes so so Thomas makes What's Denzel's character called again? Remind me. Burr. Brain, my brain just went I, The burp. problem
1: is I just call him by their actor's name. I know, we're Baby both Holt. doing that, which is terrible.
0: <laughs> as this. We're historians and we're talking about a film and we're do, calling them as, by the acting names. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Pri- Silas Tripp. Tripp, that's what they that's call him. That's the name. name. Right, so Tripp, as you just said, Tripp's argument is they don't see you like that. The yeah. problem is neither does he. Yeah. And the thing, the essential core drama between Thomas and Silas Tripp is that they is that by the end of the film Thomas has convinced has made Tripp realize you're seeing me the way they see me. Yeah. See me as me. And that's one of the things that changes that's what's so important. I'd, um I'd, although I'd... to be fair by that night by that night before the regiment I'd say they've already got to that point.
1: Yeah. Um it just sort of cements it and also you see Thomas on the side, sort of a bit wary, and then joining mm. in by the end. Also, mm. there's a nice thing in the fact of it's not mentioned, but it's shown that he's teaching. Um, I can't remember his name. Uh, the slower gentleman. Um, oh, um, sharks. D- 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 yeah, sharks. Yeah. Jupiter, um, sharks. Yeah, I love he's... that name, Jupiter. <laughs> that he's slowly teaching him how to read. Yes, and he's yeah. been using it to read the Bible, and it's not said out loud, but you just see, like, in a few montages, yes. in sitting down with him and showing him what to do and, and it's, sharing it's, 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 this knowledge.
0: Yes, it's this recognition that this is how we move forward. Education is as important as fighting, and yeah. and it's also why it's also why when they have this. Sarah, this musical interlude. This is why Chart stands up and gets to hold the Bible and to talk about what he is, is in the Bible because he's actually now able to read it, yes. not just hear it. And for him, this is a huge step forward. Um, so, um, he's you able know, to
1: preach what he wants to preach from it rather yes. than having to listen to someone else translate yes. the words.
0: Yes, and I think this is again another an, another layer of what makes the film valuable and interesting is is the relig- is having the religious element as well having yeah, the philosophical an important
1: elements part of daily their lives life. yes
0: yeah. yeah and and but also the the philosophical element you know shaw forbes thomas Earls, they, they 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 grew up reading philosophy yeah and you know non the kind of non fiction writing that is no, not in vogue anymore but is very used to be very much part of a classical education mm. uh some and written sometimes by people who are still alive at the time then Yeah, you know it was current. It wasn't just old stuff from, you know, from from the dust. It was it it was current writing and thinking, and they're men. They're intellectual men. They're not just men of action. They're men of action. To me, this is really important, particularly in a discussion about masculinity and how it's portrayed on screen. The variety of masculinity in this film on display is massively important.
1: Because you could argue that the film is very toxic masculinity in the fact of it is talking about war and that being a major role of what men are meant to be for but at the same time you see thomas being very gentle but he's not made fun of for not being able to achieve as much as everyone else but you can see him working harder and he's reading he's an intellectual that's who he is and it's nice to be shown that rather than the Sambo character, as we discussed in uh 11. And all those stereotypes.
0: Yes. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Well, that's the thing. Again, it's why I think it hurts analysis of this film, discussion of this film to write it off solely because of the decision to include the officer elements yeah. you know i th- I think the film's balanced i think the film mm-hmm. at least from at least given the sources it's chosen to work with yeah i i think that i think a very reasonable balance is struck between historical elements purely fictional elements for entertainment and also trying to get across to us as a dramatic sense of drama uh, that that is rooted in real experiences. Yeah. You know, I I find I find it an incredibly believable film. Mm-hmm. Um, the performances, the emotions I mean, you know, the scene where Denzel's you know, the one tear goes down his eye, which is obviously amazing acting and at very much at the core of what he got his uh what is Oscar for yeah it, is now like, as you, as you, but as you know it's a meme now
1: yeah it was like that tier oscar <laughs> yeah
0: but as you know it's become a massive meme now yeah. it's become a source of humor it's become a source of parody it's yeah uh, and i feel like while that's probably inevitable i feel like that misses completely the point yeah of what that moment is about because that is about strength that is about pain that is about endurance yeah. that is about he's not a martyr he's not standing there being a martyr and saying oh look at me i am giving myself up for the greater cause he is standing there you know strong and straight going i've been through this before yeah i can handle this what can you, but can you handle making the decision to do this
1: yeah, and then it turns out he was not doing what he was punished for. So he was an innocent man standing there being whipped.
0: Basically. Well, innocent in the sense that he broke but he still broke rules. This yes, is part he of the problem. Rules, yes. That's part of the problem is it debate that you're right, it opens up that very debate is is breaking a rule inside a structure like the military uh breaking a rule when it's done for a just cause. Yeah. And which is again at the heart of what the film itself is about. Mm. What, what, is, what are the things that we should and shouldn't do as civilised people for a just cause? Yeah. Uh, it's and, like, and,
1: you know. Uh, they bring up the question about orders um, mm. in the pillaging scene in the uh, yes. Southern Village. And uh, a commander that's higher than uh, Shaw commands his unit to basically go start burning down this village, mm. which he's like, No. And he's like, well, I can pull you up on court-martial and then you lose your unit. And because he was arguing about that, he doesn't have to obey laws that are... a Orders that are lawful? Is that the correct word?
0: Unlawful. Yeah,
1: basically. And so there is that sort of debate there of which is the better thing to do. Is it to stand your ground and say, no, I'm not doing this horrible act? Or is it to keep on fighting so then you can carry on looking after your unit because you've seen how this man is treated his coloured troops who Mm -hmm. are called the contraband because they're all, by the looks of things, free slaves or um, captured slaves from plantations that they've managed to take over. And the discipline and the way that the two groups... So black men are depicted. You can see the huge differences in the fact of how they're marching, how they're standing to order. They're watching this chaos go on because the contraband unit has gone and already running amuck in this village. While um, the shore soldiers are just sort of standing there, ready to do what they're told to do, but still probably quite in shock from it. So yeah, exactly.
0: You know so I just yeah no, I think that, I think that's a good summary. So let's get to the point where we discuss whether or not we think this qualifies as real history or real history Woo! or to what degree. So um You can't
1: see but I'm doing jazz hands here.
0: Okay. Fine. <laughs> uh, um glad you told the audience. Um what do we think Jenna how much of it would we say is real how much would we say of it is fictional or correction what would we say is the blend the percentage yeah. blend here
1: I would say it's probably close to 75% obviously there's some things that they've changed like they've changed the direction of the beach because that is the most important thing oh dear <laughs> um, yeah. you can see I, I don't agree with that uh-huh. um, but things like um, the volunteering or not volunteering for the um Attack on the Fort It changes a lot of the story, and Mm. because the film is what most people are gonna think of when they think of what happened to that unit, um it's I don't know whether changing that is a good idea, but I can see why in the narrative of the story they would, and also the fact of where it stops. Is with all our main characters basically dying, unfortunately. Uh, it's civil war. It, uh, it, the civil war, we have to remember, is the war that killed more Americans than the Second World War, Vietnam War, Korean War. So many wars put together. And a big part of that is because no matter what side you shot at, there were going to be an American death. But the mm. amount of bloodshed at this war were, caused was massive, and so the way that they depicted the violence was very good and very realistic. You can tell that this is a period before CGI came in, and mm. you can tell that like the scenes that were shot with the soldiers, you can see all the um, they got reenactors in to come and play the parts. And you can just see the sprawling amount of men that are around. It's amazing. Um, yeah, it's I, I think it's about 75% because it's got those wibbly-wobbly parts that you need to change to make it a good story. But I think most of it is rooted in real history. The other thing I will say is the fact of it kind of makes it look... Although it has a little epilogue saying the 54 Massachusetts blah, blah, blah at the end, it does make it look like the story just stops there Mm. when stuff like the pay dispute actually carried on and there was a letter-writing campaign and they didn't actually take any pay until they had equality in pay, basically, which Mm -hmm. wasn't... It was very close to the end of the war that they actually got that. So that's a huge stand and that's a big drama in itself but mm. it kind of because where the film finishes which it makes sense it's just kind of a stop these people are dead it, it's finished
0: i think that comes back to the need for it to be a for the i think that comes back to the choice to structure it as a war film yeah war films need a climactic battle they need some sort of uh they need sacrifice they need a recognition of what what, what was behind the cause you know what i mean yeah. the, the, I, I i and in terms of the regiment's history at the time uh that you know that's probably the best point to end it given the the structure that's been the, you know, the choice to, to tell the story the way they've chosen to tell it mm. um i think everything else i think I I mean the the film you know it 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 it's it's a gripping watch but it's long enough as it is yeah even if I could watch another hour of it <laughs> um and I think I think your point is well taken it's a 2 hour movie Yeah. you know you, you to do everything you're talking about we're talking about a uh, not just a mini series we're talking about a, a series we're talking about yeah. a, you know 12 15 episodes aren't we yeah, to but really that's the do thing, this properly
1: historians we're like we want the whole story but To do that is kind of unrealistic in the amount of time that you have as someone that's directing or writing or something or producing something, and as watchers and viewers as well because we only have so much time in the day and. God damn it I'd need to play minecraft occasionally <laughs> yes <laughs> so,
0: yeah. um, and, and here's the thing if you this would be an incredibly I mean you could you could probably find the money these days from a, uh, a, a cable Town to make a miniseries like this but yeah. it's such an expensive undertaking they already used volunteer reenactors in battle scenes yeah you know to 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 bring in expertise and also you know help control the costs of, of, of these sorts of things um, Uh... You know, as you say, they change around location on the end to make it easier to shoot. You know, there's all these decisions taken, mm. um, and I think they did. I think ultimately, I think they're the right decisions. I think it's a stunning film. You know, yeah. Jay, we haven't even mentioned James Horner, the, the late great James Horner's score, oh. which is superb. Even yeah. if even if his entire climactic sequence rips off Carmina Barana, but hey, you know, um, it, it, it's wonderful. It makes use of. Um, you know, uh, orchestra, choir, um, in this case, uh, specifically the Boys' Choir of Harlem. Um, I think
1: that's a really nice touch as well, is that it's the Boys' Choir of Harlem.
0: Yes. Because... well, this, but, And, and yeah. again, that, that shows the effort they made. Yeah. I think that shows the effort they made to, 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 to make the film uh, culturally relevant to the people who were in the film, cast in the film to the people they thought were going to see the film. Yeah. Um, And like I said, for me, the emotion, the emotion is is, is crucial. Again, the, the range of masculinity on display and the, the discussions about what it means to be not just a man, but a man of color, yeah. Uh, in a world where that is an issue, to to what are the things you should do? What is it? What are what are, what are the decisions you make when you've done bad things in your life, mm-hmm. and you're looking to you're looking for some kind of uh, forgiveness or some kind of redemption? Yeah. Um, um, it's that discussion where uh, Shaw and Trip have that discussion by the river, where they discuss being covered in. You know, turds, basically <laughs> without. But they're very. What I love is the way the dialogue is written. So they never actually say that word. Yeah. You know. He, you know. He goes, "Stinks, don't it? Yeah. Yes, it does. You know, um, we and, and ain't nobody free. We're all covered up in it. Yes. <laughs> and and he goes, "Still, be nice to get free of it. And yeah. that's that. That to me, that entire conversation is just. There's a philosophy in there. There's a philosophy of life in there. You know life is can be awful and rubbish, and we can be weighed down and covered in that rubbish, but it would be nice to make the effort to get clean and yeah. maybe that's what we should be doing
1: yeah uh, that that's pretty much it i think with especially with history like this, and it is such a bloody period of history as well, mm, and mm. that is not ignored, which I think is very important. Um, and it just showed the sacrifice that these men made, as well for fighting for their country, and not just the sacrifice for fighting for their country, but the sacrifice they made financially because they did have family to support. And, and which, which yeah.
0: is a which, is, and again, that's something that's not really tackled in the film. And again, would be another element that, as you say, if there was more time, you would add those elements in.
1: Yeah, because you the, know. The only time we see uh, children or women is in scenes where they interact with the public. Yeah, and that's it. Where yeah. actually there would have been a lot more women around the camp. Yes, agreed. Um, and which is kind. Of, apparently, they did meet a educator who was a woman who was trying to educate more soldiers in reading and writing and stuff like that. And that can be kind of seen in what Thomas is doing. But at the same time, that negates the role of what a woman was doing at the time. Because, again, we always think of war being primarily something that only men do. But women have been there since the dawn of time, mostly as uh, support and back-end roles. But we were there. And that is Mm. something we need to remember as well. Mm. So it's especially with that unit that maybe it should have been noted that there were black women around doing the other work around the camp, but still it's, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I think, I think that there's so much more the film could have done if it had the time and if it had uh, the uh, unlimited budget, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I, I think the film as it stands is a remarkable achievement. Yes. In, its, in, in the time, in the place, I think it's amazing that it gets as much right as it does. So on that basis... And
1: it being 30 years old as well. so At when, this point, yeah. And there's nothing so, so, really problematic about it, obviously, apart from the... You, you've primers, already highlighted those. The primary source um, language. Yes. But it's it's nothing that people could get upset about now. If that makes well, that ex- except they except what they, they get
0: do. wrong e- except right. they have done and and then that's why we're doing this because yes. we, we feel that the the things that want, people are getting angry about we feel are being done so at the, at the to the to the to the detriment of the appreciation of what the film does right yes so in our last minute in a bit what would you want to give it rating wise how much history how much not uh,
1: i'm going to give it 75% so great
0: i was gonna say 80 <laughs> so let's agree no no we no. can well fine so 75 to 80 percent we reckon this is a yeah so it's a very strong piece of fictional history yes excellent terrific Please so watch it.
1: Uh, if you've not watched it watch it it's so good and yes as i said for british listeners you can pick it up in Poundland. So, yeah. Yeah. And
0: if you and if you want to know more about it, go and get because uh, you can get it on disc. Get Ken Burns' seminal Civil War documentary from the year afterwards. Yes. Okay. All right, on that note folks, we will see you next episode. Um we hope you've enjoyed this one. Uh you can find us uh have a look at the Bunkerzilla website uh for our Twitter. Oh, uh, hand- I've
1: got a cat coming and meowing. <laughs> sorry. Okay, uh, that's okay. Uh
0: for a, have a look at the website for our Twitter, have a look at uh the website for our coffee links as well if you'd like to bung and us a few coins. Comments. And, of course, read the Real History column written by Jenna, mostly, at the moment, uh, (laughs) uh, on the website as well. Thank you very much, Jenna. Thank
1: you for listening. Uh, Thank you for a great talk.
0: Uh, Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you to you as well. And thank you to everyone as well. As Jenna says, thank you for listening to us. And we will uh, talk to you very soon indeed. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye.